There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now you know me, Justin. I'm relatively well-traveled, having spent a fair amount of time abroad recently. So that's meant accessing the content I want to watch has been difficult. But don't fear, Justin, because there's a solution. What's the solution? It's a handy tool called NordVPN. What's NordVPN, Ryan? Justin, NordVPN is a cyber Swiss army knife with plenty of features and benefits. Firstly, being able to access streaming services from different countries by changing your virtual location at the push of a button, giving you access to so much more content. It means missing sporting events, not being able to watch your favorite shows or films. It's a thing of the past. Better yet, it doesn't just stop at football. So you're telling me it just gives me access to different content? Absolutely not. There's so much more. You can save money, for example, by scouring different flights from different virtual locations, giving you the best deals possible. Better yet, you can do this by purchasing different subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. This is all knowing you're accessing a service that was named in Times Magazine's Best Inventions for 2022. So what are you waiting for? Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash second tier to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan. Plus a bonus gift. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. It's the equivalent to buying a cup of coffee every month, a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to vast amounts of entertaining content. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and we're joined on the show today by a championship great. 319 appearances and counting in the Second Tier, representing seven different clubs at this level, most notably including Cardiff, Leeds and currently Rotherham. He's won promotion from the Championship twice, played in the Premier League. It's Lee Peltier. Welcome along to the show. How's it going, Lee? I'm not too bad. Thanks, mate. Yourself? I'm, I'm great, thank you. Especially now that we're chatting to yourself, as I say, a, ch- a championship great at this level, which <laughs> I, I think is kind of a backhanded compliment at times, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, ideally you'd have liked to play more games in the Premier League, but still yeah. to have played this mo- many times as you have at championship level is still, it's a bloody good achievement, isn't it? No, definitely. And it's um, something that me and my family are really proud of. Um, to play that many games in the championship um, is unbelievable achievement. Uh, to play that many games at any professional level, I'd say, is a great achievement. But at the level of uh, championship, uh, I'm really proud. And um, as I say, all my family are proud and have enjoyed every every single minute of it. Without a doubt. Right, let's have a look back at your career then. And we'll start at the very beginning. You came through at Liverpool. One of your only appearances for them was in the Champions League, yeah. away at Galatasaray, yeah. which I imagine was... Uh, for one of your first games at senior level is pretty incredible i'm sure that was a quiet night at the library uh, do you remember it well yeah definitely obviously um it was an absolute dream of mine to to play for for liverpool my hometown team and the the team me and my family have supported all our lives so definitely remember the the few appearances i did make for liverpool and uh, as i say it was a dream come true what was that galatasaray game like was it a bit of a a bit of a feisty one yeah, definitely. As you can imagine, um, the the fans over in Istanbul in in the Atatürk, I think it's called. If, if, you, if I'm right in saying that, um, was really hostile place, and and for a young boy to go there and and, and make his debut in the Champions League was a really big um, <laughs> achievement for myself. Uh, very nerve wracking, but it was uh, really good, really um, great experience. Yeah. 
I can imagine it is when, as you say, you're from Liverpool, born and bred, and yeah. it, you're a Liverpool fan yourself. But let's get on to your EFL career. It really kicked off at Yeovil Town, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. One at the time. You had a year and a half there, winning. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. I think, uh, I think I went there on loan first. Uh, you did. Months, um, and I really enjoyed it, to be honest with you. And it was really, really a different experience for myself to go from Liverpool to, to Yeovil Town as you could imagine um, it was miles away from Liverpool but I think at that time of my career it's something that I really needed and um, I enjoyed it that much I ended up going back the, the following season um, and, and done a full season there and, and really enjoyed and kicked on in my football Yeah and you it lets you attracting plenty of interest from clubs higher up the food chain. Um, what was one of the reasons you left because of homesickness? Is, is that right? Uh, Yeovil? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, early on um, when I was at Yeovil, as you can imagine, I, I was still a young boy and I was miles away from home. And as I say, it was a big um, change from coming from Liverpool uh, to go to Yeovil in the middle of nowhere and away from all my family and stuff like that. So, yeah, I did get a bit of homesickness, but I think it was a really good stepping stone for me. And at the time, I think I played a full season of uh, proper football in the league and I was just ready to, to move on. Am I right in saying Nathan Jones was the assistant manager there at the time? Yeah, he was. Um, him and Teddy Skiverton. I don't know if you remember him. They were managing and assistants. Uh, at the time, and um, I, actually, my first spell there at Yeovil, uh, I played with um, Nathan Jones. He, he was the left back, I was the right back, and then the next season, he went on to be the assistant manager with um, Teddy Skibberton. Yeah, a, lot, a lot's been made of him, hasn't there, recently, especially with the spell at Southampton and some of the stuff that he was coming out with in press conferences. Was he yeah. was he still a bit nuts then? Uh, not really. He was, he was very obsessed. That's I will say that. Um, he was obsessed with football. He loved it. He loved training. Even at his Achne number, I think he was. He must have been late 30s when I was in there. And he was still like the, th the fittest guy there and the last person to leave the training ground. And he was really obsessed. And um, he went on, obviously, down the coaching uh, journey and he's done really well for himself. Obviously, the, the, the thing at Southampton, which has come out lately, has been a bit controversial. Like, but. Um, I think he's had a great career up to now. Yeah, he's done really well and obviously these things happen in football. Yeah, well, he's had a cracking career, hasn't he? And what he's done at yeah. Luton is just ridiculous and sure, his spells elsewhere haven't gone particularly well, but he's still quite young, isn't he? So you'd imagine he'd go on to be still quite a good manager. Uh, but let, let's go on to when you ended up joining Huddersfield, which was in yeah. 2009. It was yeah. the first of... Two spells at the club. Lee Clark yeah. signed you. He said yeah. he remembered being impressed by you when he saw you on trial at Norwich. Uh, just talking about Nathan Jones is a bit of a character. Lee Clark's a bit <laughs> of a character as well, isn't he? Yeah, uh, Lee Clark. He was a, he was a great guy. Um, obviously, he was he was a young manager at the time, making his name in in the game, and um, he took on a really good project at Huddersfield, and uh, he, I'd say he done a really good job there. Uh, he gathered a, a young, um, really talented team that went on and done done good things. And the team that he accumulated there was was really really good, and it was a pleasure being there. And I really enjoyed my time there. What well, What did you make of him as, as a person? He was great. He was great with me. Um, as I say, he was a young manager at the time, and I, I thought. Back then, I thought he would have went on to, to be a really good manager in, in the higher leagues. Uh, obviously, it weren't to be. Um, but his coaching and his being a manager, he's very um, man manager. Like he, he managed you more more than more than the tactical side of it. And I, I got on really well with him. And I say I still speak to him to this day uh, here and there. Like drops me a little message here and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, he was a really good manager at the time. Yeah. Hmm. When I was doing my research for this show, I came across a brilliant video of yourself from your Huddersfield days. Yeah. It's a Bournemouth away and a fan, <laughs> I think you know what you're going to go on to here, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, a fan's picked up the ball and he's kind of slammed it into your stomach. 
yeah. you respond by pretending to throw the ball in his face he flinches and then uh you give the older <laughs> kind of point at him and uh laugh uh, what, what was that about yeah i think it was um might have been a playoff game was it, was it a playoff game if i remember oh i don't know i think it was the the first leg of a playoff game at bournemouth and um i just remember as you said the ball going out and the 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 fan slammed it back into me, and for a split second, I nearly threw it at him. And then I just like stopped, like for a minute, and realised where it was and and what would, what would have happened if if I did throw it at him. But yeah, it's just a little bit of banter. Yeah, it was great. How much did you want to just launch it into his face? Honestly, I was a split second away from actually throwing it into his. Face. <laughs> Imagine that if I just flashed it into his face. Yeah, I was just honestly, I was like. Oh, Think we were getting beat at we might have been getting beat at the time as well mm. uh, and um obviously i was very frustrated and managed to keep me cool to be, <laughs> in the end i don't think anyone would have blamed you if, if you didn't do it because <laughs> yeah. i watched it and i was like god i really wish yeah. you did that um, yeah. well at the time uh when you were at huddersfield jordan rhodes was there he's yeah. banging in the goals for fun yeah. he scored 45 goals in the time that you were there alone he was some player back in the day wasn't he Oh, he was, he was ridiculous. I remember him coming in as a, as a young boy and um, and, I, and I remember thinking to myself, like, he was just so quiet and um, kept himself to himself and once he got on the pitch, he was just a different animal. Uh, anything that come into the box, you just knew. It was funny because I used to play right back uh, for Othersfield and I, I just knew every time I whipped the ball in the front post or there or thereabouts, he'd be there and he, he'd score and uh, any time he was in front of goal, you'd know he'd score. He was, uh, as, as you, from his career he's had uh, and the goals he scored, he was a fantastic player. Why do you think it's gone a bit by the wayside in recent years for him? I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, I couldn't, couldn't tell you because he's been at really good clubs and he's always scored goals given the chance. So um, I couldn't tell you. That's obviously down to preference in terms of the managers he's been working under or or what, but as far as I'm concerned, there's the, the time I've known him, and de- especially them, them four or five years where he had a really good patch, he was probably one of the most prolific strikers in the championship that, in fact, in the, in the championships ever seen. Um, you could put him up there with your likes of David Nugent, Billy Sharps, Ross McCormack, he's, he's definitely up there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue with that one. Yeah. Um, I was just looking through some of the players in that Huddersfield team. Of course, yourself, Jordan Rhodes, Anthony Pilkington, Gary yeah. Roberts, Alex yeah. Smithies, Peter Clark. Yeah. This was in League One. How did this team not get promoted from League One sooner? Honestly, I was I was only speaking about it not so long ago. Um, I'm still really. I was with Gary Roberts on Saturday. I'm really close with uh, Gary and Pilks still now. And we always go back and say to ourselves, like, how that team never got promoted is unbelievable. The team that we had was was really, really good. And at the time, I think Dean Hoyle just took over Huddersfield and he was having a go, put a few quid into the club and bought some really good young players who went on and had, had great careers, as you said, like your, your Andy Pilkinsons, your, your Smithies and, and players like that. But... Um, yeah, I remember the first season we got the first season I went there, we got beat in the semi final to Millwall in the playoff. And then the second season we got beat by Peterborough in the playoff final. So them two years I was there, we were both in the playoffs and you've got to think back then in League One, it was the likes of Southampton, Norwich, mm-hmm. uh, big teams like that, you know what I mean? So and we were up there competing with them. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's a very valid point. And it's the same yeah. now, isn't it? I mean, some of the clubs in League One now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Leeds, Nottingham Forest, all of them were in League One at the time, yeah. Yeah, massive clubs, really, isn't yeah. it? Uh, well, after that, you went to, well, after losing in the League One playoffs in yeah. 2011, you joined Leicester. This was yeah. back when they were in the Championship and they were spending the big books. And, of course, had a bloke called Sven Goran Eriksson in charge. <laughs> what was it like working with Sven? Um as as you just said there, it happened so quick after we lost the, the playoff final uh, within a matter of days, hours. I knew I was going to, to Leicester, so it happened really quickly. And um, 
at the time, obviously his friend was in charge and uh, it was quite surreal at the time because obviously he'd just been the England manager and stuff like that and I get a phone call saying Sven wants to sign you. I was like, bloody hell, this is going to be this is going to be a great fun. And it was. He was he was a good guy. Um, he was quiet. Um, he, was, he was so laid back and chilled. I'd very, very, um, what's the word I can use to describe him? Top shagger. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he took us to Sweden on his first uh, on his first preseason trip, and he was like a king out there. Honestly, very <laughs> dull. Lots of people just waiting for him outside. Loads of girls waiting for him, or or whatever. So probably what you're what you're saying is right. <laughs> Ridiculous, isn't it? How I mean, he's got the reputation, but it yeah, fits, doesn't it? <laughs> the boot fits. You know what? He was a great fella. You know, he was just dead, dead chilled. Uh, he was a nice fella. He was really calm, relaxed. Yeah. So um, yeah, he he didn't last long there, at, um, Leicester. I think he only done like 10, 10 games, but the same. It was a little bit similar to Othersfield. He was just going out buying all the top players, like mm. buying Casper Simichel, he bought Dave Nugent, Beckford, Paul Konchesky, who else? Jelson Fernandez, Michael Johnson from Man City. There's so mm. many players he, he was signing, and uh, so was, many. Yeah, we were expected to just romp the league, and, and we didn't. No, no, <laughs> really didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. You played some really good football under yeah. Sven as well, didn't you? But as you say, he was only there for a matter of games. I think yeah. four months after you joined, he was sacked. Yeah. They brought in Nigel Pearson. Yeah. Um, now, we had Matt Mills on yeah. the show a couple yeah. of years ago, and yeah. uh, he was at Leicester at the time, at the same time as you. He mentioned having a meeting with Nigel Pearson, with yeah. which didn't go too well. What, do you know anything well. about that? Yeah, didn't go too well for Matt. <laughs> yeah, do you know anything more about that? Uh, I, I think he just had a... Um, he went in for a meeting and I think they just had a... I don't really know. Obviously, it was only them two in there. Mm. But the rumours and, and stuff like that that come out of it is... Listen, you don't want to mess with Nigel Pearson. Like, even back then, he's a big guy and he's a scary guy. So whatever Matt said to him to rub him up the wrong way is it's his own fault because you you don't want to go into his office and give him grief because this, you're only coming out the same way Matt Mills did. Well, do you like him as a manager? I I, I thought he was really good. Yeah, really really good manager. Uh, demanded respect, very disciplined, um, and what he done with Leicester was amazing. Um, I've seen him not so long ago, a couple of weeks ago, when we played Bristol City, to be fair. We still have a, have a laugh and a joke and then, um, got a lot of time for him, yeah. Well, despite playing 40 league games for Leicester in this season, they signed Richie Delight in yeah. the summer and uh, the club said you weren't part of their long-term plans anymore. Why yeah. was that? I don't think it, it was... a. I think I spat my dummy out more so than them saying it was... Like I needed to leave because I, I'd only had I'd only had the one season there and I still had two years left on my contract. And um, he told me he was bringing in Richie Delat um, as a bit of competition. And obviously, I, I I didn't like that because I just played the full season and I thought I'd, I'd kick on again in the next season. So um, yeah, we we had a few words and then. And, Obviously, I spoke to my uh, agent and he said, listen, there's a, there's a little club there that's interested in your cold leads. <laughs> so, I spoke to my agent and he said to me, listen, Leeds are interested. And obviously, if Leeds come calling, it's a massive, massive, that's a proper club. Like I'm yeah. not saying Leicester's not a, a big club because it is a big club, but Leeds is, a, is historically a, a really big club. So... Um, yeah, we decided to to, to go to, to Leeds. Yeah, well, that was in 2012, and it was it saw you linking up with Neil Warnock for yeah. the first time, and you played for him at a few clubs, didn't you? I, I assume you're a fan of his. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's a probably one of the best managers. Of, well, is one of the best managers that I've worked with. Uh, obviously, he's a legend within the game. Um, everything you see is that's the way he is. All these uh, little snippets and clips on. 
on on the internet and on Twitter and stuff like that. That's exactly how he is. What you get is what you see with him. He's down to earth, and um, he, he was great with me. So, yeah, he, he was a he was a great fella to work for. I feel like every player I've spoken to has a Neil Warnock story, and I, I know I'm putting you on the spot yeah. right here. But is there any any particular highlight from your many years of working with him that stand out for you? Um, there's a there's a couple. Um, his pre-season tips, obviously, you probably heard about them. They're great, where he takes you up to Cornwall. Mm. And a lovely, massive house up there that's got like a golf course in the back of it and stuff like that. And you go and play golf and do a bit of fishing and all that. It's unbelievable. But I'd say one from not so long ago when I was at Middlesbrough. Um, he was always trying to, he used to always get on my back and he'd always give me loads. Like that was the banter me and him had. And I never forget in, in training one time I scored at Atrich in just in training in like the five side games we were having or whatever. And I've come back in from um, training and all the all the lads must have been in the change room. I've gone to the physio room for something and I've come back into the change room and all the lads are sitting there and Neil Warnock stood there with a the ball and all the lads just start clapping. And Neil Warnock gives me a signed ball from training from all the lads. He goes, there you go, so you'll never score another asset again in your life. So here's a ball for you from training. It was just little things like that that that, that made him uh, special. Yeah, yeah. To, to be fair, you you're not known for being a goal scorer. Are you? No, in, in your career, I, no. I was having a look at your your goal statistics. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you're more known for the defensive side of the game. Yeah, aren't more you? yellow cards, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about when you're at Leeds again. Uh, you finished yeah. 13th in yeah. the first season you were there, despite having a pretty good team. Uh, again, we were just talking about Huddersfield earlier, but yeah. I mean, this team is wow. You yeah. had yourself again, of course. Yeah. Ross McCormack, yeah. Luciano Becchio, Paddy Kenny, Tom Lees, Sam Byron was just coming through. I, I yeah. can keep going. Yeah. Do you think you should have done better? Um, yeah, definitely, and I think the fans probably did well deserve better. Uh, it was a bit of a tough time at the club then. I think it was when uh, Ken Bates was trying to sell up, um, so things weren't that good off the pitch. And I think um, they sort of all rolled into one onto the pitch, and the fans were demanding more and, and stuff like that, which they had every right to because it's it's Leeds Football Club. Um, but as you say. The ambition and from the start of the season was to go for a playoff spot or promotion, and we we, we just never got anywhere near it. It was just too up and down of a season. Um, for whatever reason that might be, it just didn't happen. Well, someone you mentioned earlier, Ross McCormack, we've always said on the second tier, one of the best strikers to ever play in the Championship. And I was amazed when I saw this. He never played in the Premier League. And now, when you ask your average Premier League fan on the streets, and you mention Ross McCormack, they'll mention bloody Gates not working and yeah. other stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, he he should have had a much more notable career than he was than he did at Premier League yeah. level, considering he never played there, shouldn't he? No, definitely had the ability to to play in the Premier League, but um, obviously it didn't work out for him. But the clubs he's been at was was massive. You're talking like Fulham. Aston Villa, Leeds, and he'd done brilliant at all of them. He was scoring goals everywhere he went. Um, I, I, I don't know why. I don't think he ever got a chance to go into the Premier League, if I, if I remember. I don't, I don't know what happened. But um, he, he, had a fant- he was a fantastic player. He was really, really good. He was a, he was a special striker. Um, could do a bit of everything. He used to drop off and create goals. He'd score goals and I remember when he was at um, more so Fulham when he had that little that little link up with Big Matt Smith, and mm-hmm. them two were just on fire every single week. But yeah, he was a a, a top player. Yeah, you, you don't see many players at this level who can score goals as much as him, but also be good at the you know dropping deep and yeah. passing and all all that really yeah. remarkable player really wasn't he? Um, Speaking of Leeds teammates, one of your teammates from around that time caught my eye. Nearly forgot he was come at Leeds, to be honest. El Hajduf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was he like? 
he was a character, you know. He's he, uh, despite of, of the image of, of of what he's got, he was a really good guy. Uh, I spent a lot of time with him, Jufi. Um, obviously, we had the links from back in Liverpool and, and and stuff like that. But he was he was a he was a different guy. And he, obviously, the the stuff that he'd achieved in his career, he was he was like a superstar up in in Senegal and in, in Africa, and um, he, he just portrayed that like image like that bad boy image but deep down he was a, he was a, he's a really good guy and um as a player he was people don't realize you know how good he actually was he was a really mm. really good player honestly even even when he come to to Leeds I think it, I'm right in saying he, he initially come on like a a rolling contract and then got a new contract there because he was doing that well um but as as a player he was, he was really good and I got on really well with him as, as a lad as well. Do you think he played up to the kind of bad boy kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. One thing with, he used to love the, the limelight and the cameras and all that sort of stuff and he, he'd play up to it. But behind closed doors, he, he, was a, he was a top fella, to be honest. Yeah. Well, after Warnock got sacked, Brian McDermott came in, ex ready manager. He, yeah. he took the captaincy off you and yeah. you eventually... Fell out of favour under him. Why was that? I think um, at the time, obviously, we weren't performing well, and um, I was I was I was still quite young, and I probably didn't realise how big it was to be a Leeds captain at the time. Didn't really understand it as much as I probably would now, um, and I think he was probably he, he was right and to take the to the captaincy off me. Because um, I weren't performing well enough either. Um, I was playing a lot out of position. I, I, my time at Leeds, I'd, I'd say I played a lot left back, centre back. We had young Sam Byron coming through. He was really, really good, and he was obviously a, a local boy. And obviously, all the fans want to see the local boy do really well. Um, and obviously, I just dwindled out, and obviously. Uh, in the end, I just ended up going on loan to, to Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your move to Forest. So, for anyone who doesn't know, Leeds announced you had joined them on loan on the 24th yeah. of March 2014. The same day, the Forest owner announced that the deal hadn't been complete. Forest didn't actually announce it until three days later, just hours <laughs> after sacking Billy Davis as manager. Now... Neil Warnock was expected to be his replacement, but that didn't happen. That led to you trying to back out of the move so you could join Bolton instead. Yeah. But the move had already gone through, so you had to join Forest anyway. Is that all correct? <laughs> yeah, as mad as it seems, yeah, that is correct. It was, what it was, the hell was going on? It was actually mad because, honestly, literally I was sat in the training ground and Neil Warnock was literally round the corner in a bar or in a pub just waiting for his contract to be drawn up and for whatever reason they backed out of the deal with Warnock and I literally went in there signed and he's just started processing the papers so as I've come out the room when he's told me the news oh Neil Warnock won't be the manager I've already signed and I've come out the room and then me and my agents have had five, ten minutes thinking what's going on, spoke to Neil Warnock and whatever. And then by the time I've gone back to them to, to, to find out what the crack was, they've already started processing my paperwork. So once that started the process, I was I didn't know what was going on. And as I say, there was no manager at the time mm. who was who was there, who was wanted to sign me or whatever. So it was the the Chief Exec or the chairman, whoever it was, uh, Fowers at the time. It was me and him just sat in a room and he was saying, he was basically saying to me, like, what position do you play and this and that? And I was, I was like, I was thinking to myself, this is a bit strange, this, like, whatever. And he was like, oh, yeah, I can see you playing in midfield and this, that, the other. And I'm like, I'm looking at my agent thinking, something's not right here. And then signed the papers and then he's just saying, went, oh, by the way, um, Neil Warnock's not going to be joining us, but we're delighted to have you on board. So it took me and my agent like a, a couple of minutes to like it sink in for it to sink in and go, oh well, well, what is actually happening here then? And then obviously, as you say, we 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 tried to we tried to go to Bolton because Bolton wanted me as well at the time. So that deal was there, ready to go, but we just couldn't get out of that. But do you know what? 
I know at the time it, it sounded mad, but I didn't half enjoy my time down at Forest because that's that's another massive club and I played games there and the lads were great and obviously I had no manager, but what we did have, it was good. We had, uh, I think it was Gary Brazil, who was the academy manager at the time, mm. taking over till the end of the season. And to get the chance to, to put on a, a Forest kit and, and play at the City ground was, was unbelievable, to be honest with you, yeah. Just to, for clarity then, so you had actually signed for Forest, but Fawaz said you didn't. Is, is that right? I have no idea what I don't. I, I literally signed the documents on the day I went down there. Yeah. And then God knows what happened after that. All I know is I signed. I went back in. I said, listen, if, if Warnock's not, shall we just cancel the deal? And he was like, no, we processed it. Now you're staying. So I was like, my hands were basically tied. So I stayed yeah. there because I'd signed. Obviously, I wanted to sign for Forrest, knowing that Neil Warnock was going in. And um, I ended up there till the end of the season. But as I say, I enjoyed it. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you left Leeds permanently in 2014. And that's just when the club was becoming an absolute mess. One tip. You had Massimo Cellino in charge. Yeah. Any encounters with him? Do you know what? I met him once. Mm. Once I met him. Because obviously I'd been on loan. And I think the takeover had just happened when I left the club. So... um, when I went back for pre-season, um, or it might have been the end of the season or for pre-season, one or the other, I'd, someone from the club called me and says, Chilino's having a meeting with all the, the lads and stuff like that. So everyone was in, had their own appointments and stuff like that. And uh, literally walked in there. I was in there for a matter of two minutes and walked out. Basically, I had the sheets of a sheet in front of him with all the lads' names on, the salary, whatever. And he just said to me, name, and has given me name. And he, so he's gone down this list. And then he's looked across and he's gone, yeah, you're on too much money, you can go. And I was just like, sound. No, but, do you know what I mean? Like, it was just, <laughs> Honestly, literally I was in there for two minutes and he was doing it all the way through, like to all the lads, who the ones he didn't want. He was just going through them and going, yeah, whatever reason, you can go, you can go, you can go. And, yeah, ended up literally terminating my contract there and then and going down the road back to Huddersfield. It was mental. Uh, I mean, I'm just astounded by that. So, because Ross McCormack was there at the time, I imagine he must have been on a fair amount. Did he say that to him as well? I weren't even on much money. (laughs) I weren't even on that much money (laughs) compared to some of of the lads, you know what I mean? But, obviously... He went in and he, he had his own ways and, mate, he was crazy, honestly. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard plenty of the stories about him. And, yeah. Like, the he, he just brought in a lot of Italian guys, I think, when I left there and a, lo- a lot of um, Italian players come in. So, I don't know. I don't know if, how they worked in terms of if of what I was on was a lot of money over in Italy or whatever. But, so be it. Yeah. We'll yeah. leave that one there. Yeah. Um, just one last question on uh, your days at Old Leeds United. Did you have any crossover with David Hockaday? Um, did, did you work with him at all when, no, you, I, when he was I, appointed? No, I'd, I'd left. I think the season I left, he come in mm. because obviously Brian McDermott got sacked straight away, and then I think it was Hockaday that come in. I didn't. I didn't have any encounters with him. No, I only worked under Neil Warnock and. Brian McDermott there and it was when I first went it was Ken Bates who was the owner and obviously mm. he was actively looking to sell it and then I think he sold it to like a Dubai based person and GFH I think they were called and I don't think they had the money or something like that and then Chilino come in and I think they went through like two or three buyers within a short space of time so it was a bit as I say off the pitch weren't, weren't great and we weren't getting paid and stuff like that at the time and it was just all up in the air and as I say as big as as big as the club was and we were expected to do really well we didn't and I think that played a big part in terms of the ownership of the club and, and what was going on off the field
We ended up going back to Huddersfield. Mark Robbins was manager at the time, made you captain, and then he got sacked, and yeah. you fell out of favour under yeah. the new manager, Chris Powell. This seems yeah. to be a bit of a running theme, Lee. Why, why did this seem to happen you know, so much? Do you know what? I think when I was at Huddersfield, I left more of for, for one, I wanted to play, and for two, the respect of... Uh, Dean Hoyle, who has really, really gone on well with. So when I left Leeds, Dean Hoyle rang, and Leeds isn't far from Huddersfield, and rang, and he said, on your way back, just drop in and have a, a little meeting with me, or a catch-up or whatever. So any, anyway, I ended up going, I ended up sitting down with him, and he offered me a contract, and I ended up signing. But at the time, my best mate, James Form, was there as well. So I thought, oh, mm. this would be great, this, like, Mark Robbins... Made me captain, whatever, and it didn't. It didn't really even get going. Like the first, I'd say five, six games, and then I, I got a bad injury to me groin, and then a young lad come in. No, sorry, Mark Robbins got sacked. Yeah, his pal come in, and I was still injured at the time, and he was playing a young boy. Um, well, he's not young no more. Tommy Smith, yeah. and to be fair to him, he done really well. It was a bit similar to um, Leeds with Sam Byram. Like a, a young lad coming through and come through the academy and stuff like that, and he, he he was playing really well. So I went playing. So I'd say for about four, five, five games, and that's never happened to me in my career. Like I've always played. Do, do you know what I mean? I played every nearly every game I'm available for, and I sort of just sat with the Chris Powell at the time and said, "Listen." And he said, listen, the boy's doing really well and whatever. And I said, well, that's fine. I said, I'm not going to be uh, just sitting around because he's young. And yeah. he would have probably played that all the season, you know, with no injuries and all that, as the young boys do. And I weren't prepared to just sit around and just take money. I wanted to go and play. And out of respect of Dean Oil, I, I called Dean Oil myself and I said, listen, I'm not sitting here taking this money from you and, and not playing. Do you know what I mean? This is the way the manager wants to go with the young lads. That's fine by me, but just just release me from my contract and we come to a uh, an agreement and, and um, yeah, we cancelled the contract. Fair enough to you. I mean, yeah. you don't see many players who are yeah. willing to, you know, go on to play more football yeah. when earning... To be fair, I, had, side, I so. still had like two and a half years left and I, I was on I was on good money there as well. So yeah. I was taking a bit of a risk in terms of I could have just sat there for two years and just said, "Yeah, go on." Exactly. Hey, exactly. You know what I mean? But as I said, the relationship I had with Huddersfield because of my first time there, and the relationship I had with Dean Oil that come into play more than everything else. Fair play to you. Well, yeah. as you say, you left Huddersfield after just six months and signed yeah. for Cardiff, which I think it's safe to say you finally settled because after five different moves in the previous five years. You spent five years at Cardiff yeah. after signing for them in 2015. This is where you played your best football, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, straight away, I felt at home at Cardiff. It was under an old manager of mine who, who signed me at Yeovil, uh, mm. Russell Slade. He signed me and um, straight away, to be fair, he had a big job to do because it was just as Oli Gunnar Solskjaer got sacked. And they were trying to clear all the players out that they had from the Premier League when they got relegated. So we had to start rebuilding themselves. And um, I went down there and, and straight away, I just loved it. I loved the lads, loved the city, loved the the, the stadium, the fans. And um, yeah, it just ended up being probably the best time of my career up there. Do you still have a bit of a, an affinity for them? Do you keep, up, keep an eye out for their results? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. As I say, it's it's always weird. Last Saturday we just played against them, yeah. so it's it's always nice to go. And the fans still still have a lot of time for the fans, and still speak to them every time I, I go up there, or whether it be through social media or whatever. Still got plenty of friends up there, and made some great friends up there who were still up there. And um, yeah, it was it was just a great place to be. Like Pilks was, Andy Pilkinson was there. He was at Huddersfield with me and. Craig, just a top group of lads, and I, I enjoyed every minute of it, yeah. Well, Neil Warnock was appointed in October 2016. How yeah. much did he change things at the club? Because before that, Cardiff were kind of just coasting along, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, he changed it massively, honestly. Um, 
what he done for that club, I don't think people will realise the the job he actually done in terms of building a relationship between the fans, the players, the owners. Because don't forget, just before that, it was when the owner turned the old stadium red and mm. changed the kits of red and stuff like that. So the fans weren't happy at all up there with the owners and stuff like that. So become distant. And he went up there and just built atmosphere, family, made it like a proper family club. And um, the things he'd done, the foundations he set within that club is why he'd done so well for them four or five years. Yeah. And it helps, as you say, that there was a close-knit group of players, but also a crack inside. And one player I wanted yeah. to ask you about, who in my mind is the greatest championship player ever, yeah. easily, Peter Whittingham. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. good was he as a footballer and also what was he like as a person? Um, honestly, saying that now just brings chills up me. Um, about Not just just how good he was, honestly, as he was the most relaxed, laid-back guy you will ever meet. Nothing phased him, nothing bothered mm. him. He used to come in, train, go home, just chill. He was so simple. He was a simple fella. But honestly, once he got on that pitch, that left foot, he could put that ball anywhere you wanted, literally. Like, there'd be times when he, there'd be a free kick, and I knew by the time a free kick or a penalty, you'd be walking back to your own, your own half, getting ready to set up a kick-off, because he was just that good in terms of his, his left foot. And as a lad, me and, me and Wits, we got on really well, and um, it was a pleasure to sit, share the pitch with him. And it was a pleasure to know him as a person as well, because he was a great lad. He was a top man. Yeah, I've watched plenty of uh, Peter Whittingham compilations <laughs> yeah. over the years. Some yeah. of his goals, I mean, wow. Ridiculous, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, what was it like on the day then that you actually got promoted? Greatest day in your career? Yeah, definitely. It was, um, I mean, the actual, the whole season was absolutely unbelievable. No one gave us a fighting chance. But the team, we had, I think we were really dark horses. The team we had on paper was a solid, solid championship team. I think we we equaled the record for like the most clean sheets. We had solid. We were just solid all over. We had like Sean Morrison, one of the best championship defenders. Sol Bamba, Joe Benny. We had Aaron Gunnison, probably one of the best midfielders in the championship. And we just had proper, proper championship players mm. who were just at the top of the, the, the game. And from the first game, I think the first game we played Aston Villa and we battered them 4-2 or something like that. And we from there, we just didn't look back. And if you remember that season, it was that Fulham team who went on like a 20-odd game on beat and run. We had that Wol the Wolves team who had like Yotta, Neves, all them sort of players. And then there was us. And who else was there in there? Villa, yeah, Aston yeah. Villa. I think Chef Wed were having a right go at that time yeah. with the likes of uh, Barry Bannon and, and all them. Um, yeah, but we, we literally don't think in the whole of the season we come out the top six from, from start to finish. And on the final day, because we were waiting for Fulham, we needed, we needed to win. If we won, it was we were up guaranteed. But if we drew and Fulham drew, we were up. And the results, you could hear the results coming in and the fans just going mad. I think Fulham played Birmingham. And I think in the end, Fulham got beat by mm. Birmingham. And the fans, you could just feel it on the pitch. Like we were trying to play a game and you could just feel like the buzz and everyone was just shouting and cheering and all that. And I'll never forget, I looked at Moz. I think we were nil-nil. We were nil-nil. No one like... I think Redden needed the draw as well to stay in the championship. So both of us were at, like sort of knew the scores and every, both of us were scared to like go and try and score in case the other one counted or whatever. <laughs> so it was dead edgy, the game. And then literally, I think there was like 20 seconds of the game to let uh, to go. And I've turned around to Sean Morrison, who was, who was, who was next to me. And I've gone, Mozza, we've done it. We, we're, we're going up, lad. And as I've said it, Joe Rawls has heard me and he's turned around. And he's gone, fuck it, lad. There's still 20 seconds left. Constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're just laughing. 
laughing our heads off. But when that final whistle went, honestly, it was so surreal. Like the, the place, Cardiff's an unbelievable city, and football's massive. Obviously, it's the capital of Wales, mm. and it was it was sold out. It was packed. The pitch was just couldn't move. It was absolutely unbelievable. All my family was there. Everyone's family, all the lads, because obviously. The chance was going up. Everyone had the families and that there, and we had a big, massive party after it. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Uh, but when you got to the Premier League, Cardiff did struggle. You were fighting yeah. relegation all season. But yeah. at various points, it did look like you could stay up. Ultimately, yeah. though, you didn't. In hindsight, what do you think could have been done differently in that season? I think the first half of the season, I think we, we more or less just not give up. We were just happy to be there. We were just happy to be in the Prem instead of giving it a go and thinking we were good enough to be there and, and trying to get results. Um, I think after the Christmas, we started picking up results. And I think in the end, we I know we were down there, but I think we only missed it by like two points. And I think when you look back at it, the Chelsea game was very controversial. If we would have had VAR now, you think now yeah. if we would have had VAR, we could have stayed up. Is that one, wasn't it? With the, yeah. Uh, Neil Warnock head on hands. Yeah. But it was, when you look back at it, you think, how has that not been given? Do you know what I mean? It was absolutely unbelievable that it never got given. Um, and I think it was just too late when we sort of found our belief. Um and as I say, it was only I think it was only two or three points that we missed out on. And I think if we would have went in there with a better mentality from the start of the season, I thought I think we would have had the right chance of, of staying up. I feel like I've got to ask you about this, but of course, when you were playing for Cardiff, there was the Emiliano Sala tragedy yeah. which happened yeah. when you were in the Prem. Now it's been a long saga that's followed between Cardiff and Nantes. But as a player at the time, what was that like when that all happened? Do you know what it was? It was it was it was a crazy experience, and 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 one I don't know how I was meant to feel about it because literally he come on the Friday and signed on the Friday. I never forget, and we were playing Newcastle away, mm. and on that Friday we were training and then going and getting a flight down to down to Newcastle, and he literally. As we were training, just walked around the pitch with with the, his guys, his agents, and the 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 guys from Cardiff, and then literally didn't see him again. So it was like yeah. it was like one of them. I didn't actually stand there and speak to him and shake his hand or whatever. He just literally come walked around the pitch, and then he was gone. But then obviously, it was a massive signing for us. He was the one who was meant to keep us up. Do you know what I mean? Like they'd been after him for ages. And the way it all unfolded was absolutely... I never forget coming into training and nobody was at training. And everyone had been told to go home. And I'd, I'd, I'd just got there because i come in from Liverpool. So I, I just made my way in. And they were like, haven't you, haven't you heard? And this, that, the other. And it was just so... It was mad. And I remember for like days, for weeks, like no one knew anything. No one knew where he was or what had happened or... Everyone still had hope that somehow he'd, he'd just appear from somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Within the t in, within the changing rooms, and it was as I say, it was a crazy experience because I didn't actually speak to him or meet him. But in the same respect, he was a, he was my teammate. Hmm. He just signed for us, and he was going to be our teammate, and he we was looking forward to having him in the in the team to hopefully keep us in the Premier League. And as I say, it was just a, a crazy... I never experienced anything like that in my life before. So, as I say, it was, it was mental. Yeah. One of the darkest days in football in a yeah, long time. Honestly, it? It was, yeah. it, was, it was mad. And I think, was it was it the same year or a couple of years later than the the owner of Leicester? Um, yeah. Was it a couple with, of years later, I yeah, think. I think, the, I think within them couple of years, if I remember rightly, it was like Colby Bryant's. The, the Leicester chairman, yeah. Salah, there was all mad like incidents happening, do you know what I mean? Like in terms of flying and helicopters and stuff like that. It was just crazy, crazy, mm. crazy times. Yeah. Um, well, after Cardiff got relegated, um, they struggled in the 
championship in the first season back and then you ultimately left after six months but just before we finish up on Cardiff I feel like I've got to ask you do you have any run-ins with Vincent Tan? wouldn't say uh, he'd just come at the start of every season he'd Mm. he'd, he'd be there or he'd send a video message over or whatever He, he was quite involved in terms of He'd speak to the manager all the time and, and stuff like that. But at the start of every season, he'd, he'd come in and he, he'd tell you what he expected from you. And he'd show you videos about the score goals and stuff like that. And he'd come to the odd game here or there, but never, ever, he weren't around that much at all now. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd see him, he'd come around, shake everyone's hand and say, come on, boys, let's win this game. And that was it. And just go. Yeah, but, yeah but then at the start of each season, he'd come in and tell us all that we were good enough and this, that, the other. And but that was it. Didn't really, didn't really see him at many games. No, even when we were in the Premier League, didn't come to that many games. Yeah, he he. By the time you were at the club, he he's kind of calmed down a bit, and he just before you joined, yeah. that was the whole changing the kits, red yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. and yeah. falling out with Malky yeah. Mackay and all that. So yeah. by that point, yeah, I think he took a bit of a step back, didn't he? Yeah. Just finally, what do you think of the direction the club's going in right now? Because it seems, yeah, it seems a bit to me like, unfortunately, just because of the direction the club's going in and how much of a mess it is behind the scenes. They're probably going to go down at some point in the near future, and it, it just seems like it needs well, a bit of a reset. Yeah, I think they need a bit of stability. They're going through managers, and at the minute, they need um, they need a little bit of stability there. And I think they've had a big, big change in terms of the past two years. I reckon they've seen 30, 40 players come through the doors, hmm. and you're never going to get any consistency when when that that many players are coming in and out of the club. Um, I hope I hope they find a way because it's a great club. Um, I know there's a lot of ongoing stuff in terms of embargoes and financial stuff and stuff like that, but that's that's down to the, to the owner, Vincent Tan. But what I will say is from my time being there, he did back the club and he did put money into the, to the club and they always got the signings they wanted and they always were very competitive in terms of salaries and, and stuff like that at the higher end of the of the championship. So I think, I don't know, I think it's all just been a bit of a slippery slope and it's um, finding it hard to get itself out of, out of the, the situation it is. And I think that's showing on the pitch or the stuff off the pitch is showing on the pitch. And it can, it, it's, it's hard, people don't realise when there's uncertainty off the pitch, it does seep to on the pitch and into the players and into the fans and, and stuff like that. So I hope, as I say, they get some stability and, and they, they can find a way. Yeah. So you left Cardiff and you went to West Brom. Yeah. You were there for, was it a year and a half? Or 18 months, maybe? yeah. 18 months, yeah. yeah. You, di- you didn't really play, though. Why was that? So when I went to West Brom... Um, I'd played half the season. I went to West Brom in the January. I played half the season at Cardiff. I played 20-odd games. And um, I was having a good season. And Cardiff was sort of stuttering on a new contract with me. And I didn't like it because of what I'd give to the club. I was playing every week. I was playing well. And they just left it. They, they, they just It just brushed it aside sort of thing. Well, I don't know if that was that was down to the management at the time because I had a really good relationship with the, the chief exec and then he, he was so helpful in terms of wanting me to have a new contract and but ultimately it come down to the manager. So anyway, anyway, once that had got me head around that, I was like, okay, well, what's next? And then Slavin Bilic rang me and he just said, at the time, West Brom were flying. He just got... Yeah. Uh, I think they just got relegated to the to the championship and they were going for it. And Slavin Billage rang me and he just said, Listen, Pelts, he said, My team's flying at the minute. He said, We're doing really, really, really well. He said, I've just sold Nathan Ferguson to, to Crystal Palace, but I've got a, a another right back or defender that's been playing really well and I'm happy with him. But 
I need somebody who's going to be around the place, who's going to help the lads, who's going to be good around the, the dressing room, and ultimately who can do a job for me if need be. So I was like, listen, yeah, great. I, I believe in myself. I, I thought, if I get a chance here, I know I can play in this team and, and do a good job for the for, for West Brom. Listen, they went on a, on a run and they ended up getting promoted. So it was one of them where they were going well. They didn't really win. It wasn't a case of me going there to, to, to play in the team. It was a case of me just to be there in and around there. And if I was needed, I would have played. And I only signed till the end of the year initially. Mm-hmm. And he got promoted. And I was on the bench and stuff like that. I was around it. And do you know what? I loved it. I loved the manager. I loved the lads. I loved loved the club. And um, when we got promoted, the manager came up to me. I never forget it on the pitch. And I thought that was me done because I hardly played. And he said, listen, it was, I think it was the last game. He said, no matter what league we're in, he said, I want you here next year. If we're in the Prem, if we're in the, the, the Championship, he said, I want you here next year. I want people like you here. He said, you train hard. He said, you're great around the place and, and, and what have you not. And I was absolutely buzzing. I thought, what a fella. And um, I signed another year in the Prem. And I played a few games again in and around there. And I really enjoyed And do you know what? It was the first time in my career where I hardly, hardly haven't played. But I enjoyed it. And it was like a little bit of a reset season for me and like giving my body a rest and getting getting myself back to where I needed to be in terms of my muscles. And because I was just constant for years, just playing 30 games plus every single year. And that takes mm-hmm. a, a big toll on your body. And you start to feel tired. And I think that year has allowed me to play on for another couple more years, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, as I said, I went into the Prem. With, with with West Brom uh, on the Sam uh, Slav got sacked, then Sam Allardyce and Sammy Lee come in. They were great. I got on really well with them as well. And before they left at the end of the season, they offered me a new contract. But mm. everybody got sacked. The, the sporting director, everybody got sacked at the club, so nobody knew what was going on. And then I ended up signing for Middlesbrough. Yeah, and you joined up with Mr. Warnock again yeah. later. Played quite a few games actually, and then he got sacked. Yeah. Chris Wilder came in. Yeah. There was an initial improvement under him, but then they obviously started terribly this season. Yeah. Um, what What do you think of him? Because he, he did brilliantly at every job prior to Middlesbrough, yeah. and then it didn't go to plan. He's not had a great start at Watford. I'm not really too sure what I think of him anymore. But what do you think of him? Listen, I think his record speaks for itself. For one. Mm. And the football, the style he plays is when he first come into well, when he first come into Middlesbrough, he's known for his free after back um, attacking centre halves and, and all that. And to be fair, when he come into Middlesbrough, the first few games, the fans were really happy with what they were seeing. We were battering teams literally, and we went on a good run. And we just we literally just missed out on the playoffs down to the last game uh, under Chris and. I, I got on with him. I thought he'd done a good job. His staff was really good, Alan Nil. And um, I honestly couldn't tell you what I, what I, I think is he got rid of too many players from that team that done well for him and then tried to do, I think he needed like 10 players and tried to bring in all his own players and expect was expecting them to hit the ground running. But I think if he would have left it a little bit with a few more players that finished the season, he would have still had the momentum of the following season where he just literally scrapped it all and started from scratch and identified the players, the young players that he wanted and then was going to build a team around them. But um, as I say, like listen, I played loads of games under him. I didn't expect to play loads of games under him. I, I played a lot of games uh, for Middlesbrough and I, I loved it there at Middlesbrough. What a club that is, by the way. It's an absolutely unbelievable club and I'm so happy that they're doing unbelievably well and I hope to get promoted. Yeah, well, let's go to the modern day. This season, you're now at Rotherham, of course. Yeah. Rotherham still fighting to stay up. You're 20th, yeah. four points clear of the bottom three with nine games remaining. Do you fancy your chances of staying up? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
listen, it's been an up and down season, but when we have been up, we've been really good. <laughs> but then again, when we've been down, we've been really bad. <laughs> but but um, what I will say is January made a big difference. Um, brought in a lot of experience, championship experience, but no no fault of anyone's. We, we, we got hit with a, a few bad injuries and, and stuff like that. But um, no, yeah, quietly confident. I think the lads are great. I think the club are trying to do the right things to be a championship club now. I think they've got a great manager in Matt Taylor. I think he's really good. I think he can go on to, to be a, a top manager. Um, it's the first time I've worked with him or come across him. And I, I really like what, what how, how he is. Um, and I think if he can keep us up this year, I think the club are in great hands with him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as I say, hopefully we've got nine games left. The championship is mental as ever this season. <laughs> down, at the, down at the bottom, you've got everything going on. Everyone's beating each other. You've got points deductions. You've got our game got called off on Saturday, which was I've never seen anything like that before. Um, so, as I say, the championship is as mental as ever and there's plenty to play for. So, mm. hopefully, we, we, we'll do it. Yeah, and that's why we love the championship, isn't it? Oh, it's, oh, it's of the course. Best. Honestly, it's oh. the best. Thank you, Lee. Thank yeah. you. I've been saying this for years. Yeah. Um, of, of course, you were co-manager of Rotherham yeah. for one game this season alongside yeah. Richard Rudd. Uh, yeah. Is that something you fancy doing when you hang up your boots? Um, do you know what? At the minute, it, it's a bit... It's 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 mad because of the stage I'm at in my career. Um, really, I should be retired and resting up and chilling on a beach somewhere. But I still love the game. I still love playing. I still love getting up and going out there on a Saturday afternoon and playing for three points and while I'm still feeling like that and while I'm still uh, playing at a, a really good level I will continue to do that but I am doing my coaching badges I've, I've, I've started my A licence in a couple of weeks with a few of the lads so uh, I think that will really be good um, I've done my B licence already so I'm just doing I'm, I'm ticking all the boxes just in case Um mm. I do decide to go down that route, but I'm not entirely sure yet. Because as I say, I'm still loving playing football, and whatever capacity it is, I will be involved in football. But I'm not sure if it'll be coaching or managing. We, we, we'll just have to see when that time comes. As I say, I still feel relatively fresh. I'm 37 this year, and I've played 30 games again this season. Mm. So um, I'm still going all right. I'm still going okay. Mm. Aging like a fine wine. Um, well, yeah, there, there's some good players at Rotherham in there. Is there anyone in particular you think has a big future in the game? I like the boy, the uh, Cameron Humphreys. He's a, he's a young lad. I think he's like 22, 23, centre-half, come through Man City. He's going to be a good player. Then there's uh, Chiawag Benny. He's, he's the Irish, Irish boy, international He's a really powerful, powerful uh, player. Um, there's Ben Wiles, who's had a few bids turned down from for, from Burnley at the start of the season, mm. but he's he's coming back from an injury at the minute. Um, who else? Will, they, they have got a good. We've got a couple of loans in who I like. I like um, Leo Helder from Leeds. He's a young boy. He's doing really well. Um, yeah, as I say, I think as the season's going on, I think the, the players are growing a lot more and believing in themselves a lot more than the championship players. The goalie's just been called up for Sweden, Victor Johansson, who's a really good goalie. Um, we've just signed Jordan Hugel, who, who's come in and, and is doing really well. So he has a few, there's, there's some good players there. There's some really good players there, yeah. Mm. I think Johansson's an unbelievable goalkeeper. Some oh, of the saves, he is, yeah, he's some of the saves he's made this season. He's a he's a he's a top cat, and he'll he, he'll kick on again. Um, as I say, he's just recently been called up to the to the Sweden national team, which is um, huge credit to himself, and just shows how well he's done this season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, finally, at the weekend, just gone had the waterlogged pitch scandal at Rotherham <laughs> against your old club, Cardiff. Uh, uh, what, what, what did you make of it being abandoned? Listen, 
I was there and I seen the pitch and you couldn't have played on that pitch. And I've never seen, what I will say is I've seen all these videos and whatever and I've seen someone put, oh, they put the sprinklers on. The sprinklers were on at half time, like any other half time. The yeah. sprinklers come on at half time. This downpour of rain come from literally nowhere. No one knew anything. We come out and just seen the rain and thought, oh my God. And within the 15 minutes of rain, honestly, I know, listen, I'd be the same if I was a Cardiff supporter or not, but they know how that rain come down. And it doesn't matter drainage systems or not. If if a downpour comes like that, it's going to affect the pitch. Mm. And listen, there was free ground staff there like there is every other week. That's how many ground staff Rotherham have. And Rotherham might not have the equipment or some of the equipment that these other big clubs have. So they all they had was them little windscreen wipers, whatever they were, like yeah. that they were pushing water off the pitch with. But that's the only the only things they had. So for me, I know there's stuff coming out saying they could have done stuff quicker and that, but for one, I don't think what people realised as well is that it was it was actually lightning at the half time when this downpour come down. So either mm. way the pitch, the, the game, everyone would have to be off the pitch and no one would have been allowed on the pitch. And the, the ref wanted the pitch. He, he said, listen, go in, let the pitch settle and, and see what happens. And obviously you give it 45 minutes or whatever it was and it just weren't settling. And as you can see from the videos, the water was there for everyone to see. It's not as if... And listen, as I say, you, you're disappointed if you card it because they had a good half and they were 1-0 up. But there was a clip in the in the second half where one of our players went through and the ball held up and he had to check back to get it. Who who's to say that couldn't have been a goal scoring yeah, opportunity yeah. for for us? So either way, nobody's gonna be happy. As I say, obviously it's the, up with the EFL now, but I don't think there's much that EFL can do apart from rearrange the game. Yeah. We'll leave yeah. that one there, Lee. Yeah. Um <laughs> thank you for your time today, Lee. I no really problem. appreciate it, mate. No problem at all. Take care of yourself. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks, and a big thank you for listening.